good part is that your favorite hockey team will be in the building for a banner raising ceremony. The bad part is that it'll be the wrong building. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. You're not going to find many coaches or managers in any sport at any level who waste a lot of time fretting over schedules. Schedules aren't controllable. The schedule just tells you when and where to be and who you're playing. And there's nothing you can do about it other than be as prepared as possible for that opponent. I thought Mike Sullivan had a supremely healthy approach last season whenever the Penguins were put into what was universally expected to be the toughest division in hockey, where he just said, what are we going to do? You know, you can't pick your opponents. You can't pick the schedule. You can't complain about multiple back-to-backs or any of that stuff in a normal year. You just go and take care of business. So they try not even to discuss it, really. But it can reasonably be said that the one exception to all of that is when it happens at the very beginning. Because if you get off to a really, really good start, you can snowball. You can believe in yourself. You can bring out the best in more of your guys, not just your star players. You can become a cohesive team in short order. And then, on the other hand, you can have the kind of starting schedule that the Penguins are going to have. Have you looked at this thing? Have you seen this? They open October 12 in Tampa against the Lightning. That, of course, will be the banner-raising ceremony for Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos, Andre Vasilevsky, and everybody else. And it's going to be this big emotional scene And the Bolts are either going to embrace that and get off to some really sizzling start, or maybe they'll be let down from it or whatever, but it's not ideal, you know? It's not going to Newark. And right after that, the Penguins go across Alligator Alley to face the Panthers, who just might be the second or third or the fourth best team in the conference with all that talent that they have. Also not ideal. They come home after that for six straight games. Now that part is good. It opens up with the Blackhawks. You know who's going to be in goal for Chicago? Yeah. Imagine what that'll be like. The Penguins' home opener is against Marc-Andre Fleury. And if you know anything at all about Flower, and if you don't, why would you be listening to a show called Daily Shot of Penguins? You'll know that he'll be laser-locked in. Tough, right? 
couple days later, the Dallas Stars come to town. Stars are a really, really good team that was in the Stanley Cup final just two seasons ago. Then the Maple Leafs. Then the Lightning again. And it isn't until the end of the month that there's a couple of duds. And these are both home games as well against the Flames and the Devils. So that's the whole October schedule. And I just gave you six games right there. None of which would surprise me or you if the Penguins lost all of them. I'm not being, you know, a deliberate downer here or whatever. I'm not predicting that the Penguins will open up 0-6. But it's it's going to be quite the hill to climb. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org to find out how $1 from you is all it takes for them to produce and deliver five full meals. pittsburghfoodbank.org I haven't even mentioned Evgeny Malkin. The Penguins aren't going to have Geno, I don't believe, for the start of the season. The only thing the team has said is that he won't be available for training camp. Well, I mean, use some common sense here. If he's not available for training camp, that's assigned to the prognosis related to his knee, which, of course, for anybody who doesn't know, was surgically repaired shortly after this past season. That's the timetable that's in place. But once he's okay enough to get back on his skates, to get moving around, and then to work himself into game shape, and remember, there's only so much of that that you can do without being cleared to utilize your knee to the fullest, I think it's going to be a while. I think it's going to be a while. I'm not going to sit here and play you know, doctor or whatever. But when they say for sure out through training camp, that sounds like it's going to be a while. So what happens if the Penguins get off to, I don't know, let's let's throw some numbers around here. Let's say it's like a 2-3-1 and one out of that. You know, they beat, I don't know, Dallas and Toronto and then tie one of the or get a point out of one of the Florida teams. Or what if it's worse? What if these teams, most of which are you know, veteran groups that are going to come equipped with a certain style of play, a certain chemistry, just really clock the Penguins? Again, I'm not making a prediction here. I'm throwing out a hypothetical, okay? How much panic... Will there be in the streets around PPG Paints Arena? How much discussion will there be about the head coach? Because you know how hockey is. That's always going to be the first thing that pops up is, ah, they've tuned out Sullivan. That's it. It hasn't been the same ever since 2017 or whatever. I'm not overly worried about any of this, but I do think it's going to be a factor. And I do think that when October arrives... It's going to end up being the number one discussion point among local hockey fans. Because it's going
going to be tough. And as a result, you're not going to get the best possible feel for what kind of a hockey team you might have in Pittsburgh. Now, I feel obligated to throw this in as well. Sullivan embraces this stuff. And you've seen that in the past when the Penguins have been really, really banged up with injuries and they're facing a team that's supposed to do that to them because he can get everyone to buy in completely to his defensive slash 200-foot system. Maybe that's what he'll do through this camp. Maybe he'll have little pictures of the Tampa Bay Lightning hanging all over the Penguins' locker room, you know, holding the cup up in the air on their river parade they had down there in Tampa and everything else here. When we come back, just one question. back it's time for just one question and that's brought to you on this program always by fubo tv the monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks fubo tv is just 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels including at&t sportsnet pittsburgh and right now fubo tv is offering our listeners a seven-day free trial and 15 percent off your first month by going to fubotv.com slash dk yeah it's just for us fubotv.com slash dk our question comes from dmf who asks in regards to my pierre olivier joseph episode yesterday i can't understand why poj would be buried below guys like marcus Pedersen and mark friedman a major reason for the penguins winning in 2016 and 2017 was bringing up and trusting young players the difference here is that Sullivan coached those guys at Wilkesbury. I think Sully's the reason why POJ is not mentioned among the starters. He's certainly stronger and more stout than either of those two D men ahead of him. The first thing I have to say here, actually, I have a bunch to say first just about your question before I get into actually answering it. One of them is that Mark Friedman's not ahead of anybody. <laughs> I'm not sure where you got that idea. Uh, that could change. We could all be stunned at training camp and see Friedman paired up with Mike Matheson. It's not unthinkable. He is right-handed. But the only reason you'd see Friedman mentioned in any capacity is, well, A, he's on the roster, and B, he's right-handed. That's it. That's it. I would have Chad Ruedel ahead of Friedman on my depth chart. To your other point, wow, I hear this one a lot about Sullivan and his time in Wilkesbury. You know, he was there for like 15 games, like just a month. This was not what sold him on Brian Rust and Scott Wilson and Tom Kuhnhackle and Connor Sheary. It just isn't. I'm sure it didn't hurt, but I don't believe that it was Sullivan being there for a month and saying, yeah, these are my guys. I'm going to stick with my guys. And, and the same goes, I should say, for Matt Murray. 
that he just, you know, became enamored of these young players while he was there. And the moment he left the American Hockey League, he all of a sudden had no use for younger players. Because if that were the case, good luck explaining the rise of Jake Gensel the following year. Right? Right? Or for that matter, since you mentioned him yourself, Marcus Pedersen. We don't think of Pedersen as being anywhere near as young as he is. He's 23 years old. In part because you look at him and he doesn't look all that young. You know what I mean? <laughs> he actually cracked a joke with me once about that. I was asking him about his uh, why his teammates think of him as being so mature and whatever. And he was sitting there unlacing his skates at his stall. And he takes his helmet off and looks up at me and says, look at me. <laughs> Wow, dude. Oh, man, I miss being in locker rooms just for stuff like that. But Pedersen is uh, a better hockey player right now than POJ is. He just is. I know everyone got down on him because he had a, a little bit of a backward step year, and so did John Marino. I have no problem with the Penguins rating Pedersen and, and obviously Marino ahead of anybody who would be considered for the third pairing. But POJ, man, he, he know, he's got one issue above all else, and that's that he's left-handed. This is actually a thing throughout hockey. There are so many left-handed defensemen, and there are so many teams that have to make roster adjustments based on left and right so that they can maximize their chance principally of breaking out of the zone cleanly. POJ, I, I'm very confident, is going to get a chance, mostly because defensemen, plural, get hurt, and they get hurt a lot. So you're going to see him fill in. You're going to see him have his games. You might even see him step up the way he did when he first came up last season. But the idea that Sullivan is burying him, I, I, I'm not feeling that. Okay, the depth chart is burying him. Ask yourself which of the guys ahead. Well, you mentioned Pedersen. I, I don't see that. I think Pedersen is a superior player right now to POJ. Would love to be wrong. It would be a great problem for the Penguins. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Let's do this again tomorrow. Tomorrow.